You can go ahead and turn it off, Sky. <laughs> yeah, having a hard time with it. I think that's my cue to get up here and preach tonight. So, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy. And we'll be in chapter 3 tonight. Just to give you, and you guys know this, you've been here with us. We know what 1 Timothy is about by now. That God has given us this letter to Paul writing to Timothy, the whole goal is to set things in order, to make things right, to make sure the church is being run the way it ought to be run. So it's a great letter for us today because we want to make sure that we're doing things the way God wants it done. Uh, we're living in a church age right now and, and more so today than ever that the church is doing what's right in its own eyes. That they gather together and they'll ask people on the outside, what do you want from the church? Or they'll sit and gather and ask people on the inside, well, what do you think? What do you want from the church? And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're not asking the outsiders what they want. We're not asking even the church members what they want. When we come to church and we're going to do things in a certain way, we look to God's word and ask God what he wants from the church. Uh, so last week we looked at pastors, the, the pastors that, that God wants. Uh, God qualified men who stand in the pulpit and preach his word. And today, I know this isn't, uh, I, I get it, this isn't the most glamorous or exciting of passages. Uh, we're going to look at tonight deacons, and you can tell that by the amount of people that are here. I, I say even watching online, there's not so many people that get fired up about a sermon on deacons. Brandon said it, there's no songs on being a deacon. Uh, but I think this is a very important passage. I think there's one place that, of, out of many that the church has erred in our day is, is in putting unqualified deacons into the office of deacon. So we need to make sure that, uh, and I think our men are qualified, but I think even into the future, we need to make sure that we as a church do things God's way and never put anybody in a position, whether it's pastor or deacon, who isn't qualified in the way that God says so. So I want to read this passage to you uh, tonight. I want to read verses 8 through uh, 13. So let's stand together and we'll read this passage together. Uh, and, and again, the pastor went first and then the deacon. And I think these two offices, the only two offices in the church, go hand in hand. They go together. Uh, so let's, let's look at it because it says in verse 8, shifting from pastors, it goes into deacons. You'll find that in Acts 6, pastors and deacons go hand in hand. I think it's Philippians chapter 1, pastors and deacons hand in hand. Here, pastors and deacons hand in hand. Verse 8 says, likewise, again, connecting to the pastor, must the deacons be grave, <clears throat> not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. And even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. And let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. This is really the only place in the Bible you'll find these qualifications, and we need to know them. Uh, so let's, let's pray together and we'll study these verses. Father, I thank you for the way that you've ordered things and that you've not just left it up to us to do things how we want to do it or to guess how you want to do it. But I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that you have made it perfectly clear to us. Here's how the church should be run. And God, I know you've laid it out for the pastor, and now you've laid it out for the deacons. So God, help us to learn what is a biblical deacon. And God, I pray that this passage tonight would give us a greater appreciation for the deacons that we have in this church. Help me to, to, to present this and to teach this well. And of the people in the pews, I think there's places where many of us can apply this. 
So God, help us tonight as we study, and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to give you a couple things, maybe three things about deacons that I want you to get at the outset, um, just, to, just to get us started. Uh, just in my mind, here's some things that, I, that come, to, come to my mind when I think about deacons. Just over my years of growing up in church and pastoring in, in really two different churches, here's some things that I've noticed. Uh, number one, I think that, that deacons are often overlooked. When you think of the greatest men throughout church history, you're going to think of usually men like Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon and Martin Lloyd-Jones and, and uh, George Whitfield and, and we talked about this morning John Knox and, and missionaries, these men that stand head and shoulders above everybody else and they stand out in church history and, and all those men are either missionaries or pastors or theologians or, or authors. No, hardly anybody here, when you're thinking of the greatest men in church history, will you name a deacon? I even looked it up this week. I Googled it. I said, the greatest deacons of all time. I want to see if there's any famous deacons in church history. And, and then the name that popped up at the top of the list was a, a man named Deacon Jones. He played for the Rams. That's not even a deacon. The second on the list was a man named Arnold Palmer, the, the great golfer. And I thought, wow, Arnold Palmer was a deacon? No, he went to Wake Forest. He was a demon deacon. So there's not any famous deacons out there. Deacons are often very overlooked. So that's the first thing. You just don't see many that stand out. Second, they are often misunderstood. When you think of deacons, what comes to mind? Um, usually, it's something bad, unfortunately. I hate that there's been uh, deacons throughout uh, church history and, and even today that give deacons a bad name. That the things that we think of often when we, can, when we think about a deacon is, is often bad and sometimes even ugly and, and very rarely are they good things. I can give you a list of things that I've seen personally in churches not, and, and this, maybe you've seen worse. Here's some things that I've seen. And, and this is a shame that the reputation of, of good deacons are, is, is made bad because of bad deacons. I've seen deacons on a board that think they run the place. I've seen deacons that do run the church, that everything that, that happens in the church has to run through a the, the, uh, deacon. I've seen deacons try to fire the preacher. I've seen deacons jumping on kids. I've seen uh, deacons that control the thermostat to the point where they want to put a lock on it. That's my thermostat. I've seen deacons giving orders. I've seen deacons threaten to run pastors off and to sue pastors and to run meetings and, and to sit in rooms and gossip. I, I've seen some, some things that would give most pastors PTSD. There, there, there's some things that, that you see with deacons throughout my time in the church. And again, I'm not just saying it about here. We don't have that now. But throughout all the time that I've been in church, there's some, been some ugly things that, that have happened with deacons. But saying all that, that they're overlooked and they're often misunderstood, I think the third thing here is that there's really no more important position in all the church than a deacon. I think that there's no more important position to the pastor in a church than, than a deacon, if they're biblical. There's nothing more dangerous to a church than an unbiblical deacon. But there's nothing more valuable to a church than a biblical deacon. And, and that's, that's what we need to, to look at tonight. If, if they're biblical, there's nobody greater. If they're unbiblical, there's nobody more dangerous. And so what we want tonight is a biblical understanding of a deacon. We don't want a traditional understanding. We don't want a historical understanding. We want a biblical understanding. And I am 100% positive that if you guys will hang with me, that when we get done, you'll have a greater appreciation for the four deacons that we have in our church. So that's really my goal here tonight. I want to give you a greater appreciation for the men that we have in this church. 
So let's look at this. I've broken it down. There's several qualifications, but what I want to do and, and what to look for in a deacon, I want to give you the, the role of the deacon. I want to give you the responsibilities of the deacon. And I want to give you the reward of a good deacon. Because there is a, a reward at the end. If my voice will hold up, we'll, we'll get to all three of those things. Starting with number one, Brandon, get ready. If my voice goes, I'm tagging you in. And you just take my notes and roll with it. Number one, I want to show you the role of a deacon. It says here in verse 8, Likewise must the deacons. And I'm going to stop right there and just kind of underline that word deacons. It, again, it's transitioning from the elders to, to the deacons. And I want to ask the question there, what is a deacon? Maybe somebody in here has just uh, went along with it. Okay, the church has pastors and it has deacons, but nobody's ever asked, what does the word deacon mean? What, what, what's, what's a deacon? So I want to give you that. What does it mean? Simply put, a deacon, the word means servant. It actually means, uh, even further than a servant, it means to wait tables. It's a waiter. It's, it's like you go out to eat somewhere and a waiter comes up to your table and says, what can I get you to drink? He's a servant. He's a waiter. You could say that's a, a deacon. The, the Greek word is diakonos. It's, it's deacon. So the elders, we've talked about that, they oversee the church and the deacons serve the church. Elders oversee, deacons serve the church. That's what this is. It's a, it's a servant. Acts chapter 6, we, if you want to turn there with me, I, I want to show you the, the first mentioning of a, of a deacon in the church was in Acts chapter 6. As the church was growing, upwards of 20,000 people in the church now. And there were some issues going on here, and it says in verse 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Greeks against the Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, We can't leave the word of God to serve tables. We've got a job to do. Pastors have to spend time in the word of God. So this issue came up. They said, We need somebody that, that will allow us to study while they serve. That's what it says. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. And wisdom, whom we appoint over, uh, who can we appoint over the business? But we give ourselves continually to, pray, to prayer and in the ministry of the word. And it gives you a list of the men that they chose. But the key word there is in verse 2. It says, and it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Deacon. So here's where you have the first seven deacons. And I've, had, I've been in churches where they say every church has to have seven deacons because the first church had seven deacons, but that, that's not what it's saying here. This is to show us that the, the deacons began because there was a need in the church and the pastor couldn't be taken away from what he's meant to be doing, which is praying and, and preaching and studying and leading. We need men who will step up and, and serve so that he won't be pulled away. So that's what this is. These are servants. The word deacon is a servant. It's a, it's a waiting of tables. So you say, well, we're going to stop right there? No. It's more than that. It's more than just a servant. We, we don't stop there because we all serve. I thought it was interesting that Timothy is called a deacon. Apollos is called a deacon. Paul is called a deacon. The apostles are called a deacon. A lady named Phoebe is called a deacon. But they're not a deacon in an official way. They're deacons in a, just a, a servant way. Because in one way, I'm going to give you three ways that, that, that we, we serve in the church. But there's one way in, in very general terms where we are all servants of the church. The general use, like I said, of Timothy and Apollos and Paul and, and even Phoebe here, that we're all servants of the church. 
We all ought to be serving the church. There's not one person in the church that's called to be a spectator. All of us are called to be servants and to be working in the church. Part of being a Christian is serving Christ. And we serve Christ by serving His church. That's all of us. Charles Spurgeon said this, Jesus gave both of His hands to the nails. How can I hold back one of mine from His blessed service? That we ought to all, every single one of us, ought to be involved in serving the church. Isaiah, I want to mention to you again tonight, he's not a deacon in the church, but he was serving the church by, by shoveling the, the, the steps this morning. We all do that. Every single one of us is a servant, lowercase s, in the church. Second, we all serve, one. Two, some are gifted to serve. And I'll say this, find a place to serve. Find a place to get involved. Everybody. Now there's some people who are gifted to serve. That's Romans chapter 12 verse 7. It's a spiritual gift of, of service. And I would say, here's how I show the difference. I think the servant first is, is lowercase s. The gift of service is a capital S. Where you are supernaturally, uniquely gifted to serve. That it goes above and beyond the general type of service and that is what you enjoy doing. That's what you love to do. That's what you're gifted at doing. You are a servant at heart. You've got a heart of service. And then the third one would be the super servant. It's like Superman S on their chest. That's the deacon. These deacons serve not in a general way, not in a spiritually gifted way, but they serve in an official way. Where the church gives them the official position of servant of the church. They set them up. They're a servant leader. They're, they're men who lead the church by serving the church. It's a, it's a calling. It's a, it's a official. It's a, it's an office. And you'll, you'll see that in the verse 13 for they have, they that have used the office of deacon well. Not a man who wants power, but a man who wants to serve. Men who, who would be uh, an example to the entire church. Here's what service looks like. You want to serve in the church? You want to be a servant? Look to the deacons and see how they serve and you follow their example. That's what a deacon is. They're following Christ and His example of service and you follow them and, and how they serve. They ought to be an example to everybody in the church of what a servant looks like. The model of a servant heart. The model of a servant attitude. The pastor sets the example by teaching and the deacon sets the example by serving. And again, those two offices go hand in hand. It's not a checks and a balances where the pastor keeps the deacons in line and the deacons keep the, the pastor in line. These two positions go, go hand in hand. An example in teaching and an example in serving. That they support each other and encourage each other. That they're there for each other. Again, a deacon. I got this quote and I love this. Deacons serve pastors so they can lead. And they lead others so they can serve. I'm going to make that the quote of the whole sermon. If you want to know what a deacon is, deacons serve pastors so they can lead. And they lead others so they can serve. So that's the role. And this official capacity, anybody can serve. Some are spiritually gifted to serve, but there's a very few that are super servants, deacons in an official capacity. And these must be qualified. So now we go from the role to the responsibilities of the deacon. 
And, and this is, you can't have that position, that office, unless you're qualified in this way. This is the, the requirements of the deacon. And the church has done a terrible job at this. I was in a deacon's meeting one time, not here, at another church. And they were trying to find new deacons. In, in that church, you had to have 12 deacons at all times. And if one stepped down, you had to go to the church and find another one. In a church of like 50 people, that makes every man a deacon. So we were sitting there and somebody said, I think we ought to get this guy. And they said, well, he don't come to church at all. We never even see him. They said, but I bet if we put him in as a deacon, he'll start coming to church and being a better man. That's really putting the cart before the horse right there. No, if you see a man and you think he ought to be a deacon, he needs to be qualified and meet the requirements of Scripture. So let's look at these. We've seen the role. Let me show you the requirements. And these are required. Verse 8, likewise must. It has to be there. No other way around it. Verse 2, the, the pastor must be. These are non-negotiable. You cannot compromise on this. If you have nobody that's qualified to be a deacon, then you have no deacons. So what is a deacon must be? Let's go down the list. I want to show you his personal life, and then I want to show you his private life. It's so similar to a pastor. You know why? Because God's standard of a man in leadership in the church doesn't change. What he expects of a pastor, he expects of a deacon with only one exception. The pastor is apt to teach and the deacon isn't. Watch this. Let's look at his personal life. Number one, a deacon must be grave. That word grave means he's serious. That he takes the office and he takes the work of deacon very seriously. That he's going to be doing some very dirty work that isn't very respectable. The deacons are going to be waiting tables. That's what the Acts 6 had. They would, they would take an apron and put it around their, their waist and they would go around and they would serve these, these widows and, and the widows would, would even ask them to do certain things in their house and, and they'd have to do dirty work. And, and even deacons today come into the church and they're, they're working with toilets and they're, they're scraping the driveway and they're doing all these dirty things, but none of those dirty things do they do in a silly way. Everything that they do is done in a way that is very serious. They don't make light of serious things. They're serious. They're dignified. They're respectable. That's what the word means. Second, and I'll go through these pretty quick. Second, the deacon must be, must not be double-tongued. Not split-tongued. That's what that means. Not having a tongue that goes this way and a tongue that goes that way. That you're not saying one thing here and another thing here. That you're, you're not saying one thing to me and another thing to, to somebody else. That what you say you mean and what you mean you say. That's what a deacon ought to be. He's not gossiping. He's not uh, going behind people's backs. He's saying the, the same thing to everybody. And you say, why is that? Because it didn't say that about a pastor. Why should a deacon have that? Because the deacons are going to hear some stuff. Our deacons that are here tonight, you sit with me in my office and I'll tell you some things. You're going to hear things that other people in the church don't hear. You're going to hear what's going on in people's lives. You're going to go into people's homes. You're going to talk to, to widows. You're going to be dealing with, with all kinds of different things in the church. And people are going to be telling you things. And you've got to be able to take those things and to not share those things. And to gossip about those things. You're going to hear needs and, and problems. And you're going to have to have integrity of speech. You're going to have to be trusted with what you're told. That a pastor can easily tell you things and think this ain't going anywhere, anywhere else. The next one goes right along with what we said about a pastor. 
not given to, to much wine. And I've heard some people say, not given to much wine, that means I can have a little. I don't think they've read this right. What it means is, is that you're not sitting near wine. That you're not going to find, that's what it means, that you're not sitting beside wine. That you're not going to find a deacon beside a drink. Then when you see a deacon in a restaurant, he's not going to be sitting there with, with wine beside of him. That, that, how, how, would you, how would you think if you walked into a restaurant and, and you're a church member and you look over and, and your deacon's at the bar with a, with a drink in his hand, are you going to proudly say to whoever you're with, that's my deacon? No, this, this, this man must not sit near wine. He must not be occupied with wine, not influenced by wine. It shows in both places, pastor and deacon, that you can't have church leaders who drink. They must be sober-minded, clear-minded, must be able to think well on their feet. They must be ready at all times. So you cannot be drunk with wine. You must be filled with the Spirit. It said that in Acts 6, when it's talking about the first seven deacons, they must be Spirit-filled, not alcohol-filled. You need a deacon? Better not find him in a bar. Next. A deacon must not be greedy. He must not be a lover of money, not motivated by money, not always out for money. I've seen a lot of deacons, heard stories about deacons, who they're always trying to figure out how to get the next dollar. And this is so tempting because for the most part, in the New Testament, deacons were the money handlers in the church. They're the ones that walked around, and, and I can imagine deacons walking around with a, you, you guys know the, 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 the fanny packs? I, I think we ought to get all four of our deacons a fanny pack that has deacon on the, on the front of it. But they, they'd walk around with the, the money of the church in it, and they'd be handing out to, to widows, and they'd be handing out to those in need, and they'd be distributing the money, and, and bringing in the money, and handing out the money, and they're, they got money all over their hands, and they can't be greedy and think, one for them and one for me. One for them and one for me. They can't be greedy. They're going to distribute to the poor, take up collections. They must be trusted with money. Not greedy. Next, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. You say, what does that mean? Deacons must be doctrinally sound. They must know what they believe. I think you ought to test the deacons. Do you know the, the basic biblical truths of the gospel? Are you studying your Bible? Do you know? Uh, are you listening to sermons? Do you know things? I, I don't think that, and you see that in a lot of churches, my pastor has to be biblically knowledgeable, but a deacon just has to be able to use a hammer. You don't have to know anything. So you put your, your biblically knowledgeable people in the pulpit and you put you know, the guys that don't know much about the Bible over here working in the church. That's not what it says here. It says that they, they hold the mystery of the faith. That God has, that's what the mystery means. God has revealed to them the truth. He's opened their eyes. They understand it. They know it. They are doctrinally and theologically sound. Deacons are not to be ignorant. Deacons must be strong in the truth. They must learn it. They must be growing in it. They must be living it. That's what the conscience there means. Not just that they hold it, but that they live it with a pure conscience. So your deacons, I think that's excellent. Your pastors must be biblically sound. And your deacons must be biblically sound. They must know the truth. I had a deacon in a church one time that wasn't even saved. He came into my office one time, and I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I was a young pastor, a young elder, probably shouldn't have been put in that position. 
But God in His, in His providence put me as a pastor at 27, 28 years old. And, and I have this deacon come into my office and he sits down with me. And he's not just a deacon, he's a chairman of the deacons. Probably 80 years old, served in the church for generations. Well beloved. And I sit down with him and at 27 I was really, if you can imagine, I was more bold then than I am now. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him and we were just getting to know each other. And I said, are you saved? He said, no. I said, what? He said, I, I was just sitting in church when I was a younger man and the church needed 12 deacons. And somebody said, hey, that guy looks like he'd be a good deacon. And nobody even asked me if I was saved. So they put me on the deacon board and, and I was a part of the deacons and I moved up in the deacons. And, and at one point they even looked at me and said, you know what you're doing. Why don't you come up here and preach when the pastor's not here? So I'll preach sermons in the church. And you're not saved? He said, I'll, I'll even take you one further. I've been asked to preach at other churches in town. And you're not saved? So I said right there, so let me give you the gospel. I gave him the gospel. I said, do you want to get saved? He said, I don't think I even believe that Jesus was resurrected. I said, you can't be a deacon in this church. I thought, what am I going to do? I want to run out the chairman of the deacons on the first day. Didn't even not believe in the resurrection. Just because, and he was great. Nobody served better than he did. He took me visiting. Drove me all around the place. Showing me where everybody lived. And we sit and talk to the older ladies. And they loved him. And, and I loved him. But he wasn't holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. He wasn't even saved. So the deacons have to know what they believe. And live it. So the pastors teach it and the deacons hold it. They must know it, but they don't have to teach it. Next, deacons must be blameless. And let those also, we'll move past that first part in verse 10. It says, and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So the deacons must be blameless. I said this last week when talking about the pastor. This doesn't mean that they're perfect because if they're, they have to be perfect, then there would nobody be a deacon. This isn't perfect. This means that no right finger of accusation can be made on them. There's going to be a lot of people and you're, you've got the target on you, deacons. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to look at you and say, you've done this or you've done that and you, you know, all these different things, but nothing they say can stick because it's not true. They're blameless. That's the personal life. And the standard is high for the pastor and the standard is high for the deacon. Let's move now to his private life. This is where it gets interesting. This is where we start having fun. Look at this. Verse 11. Even so must their wives. <laughs> that was not said about the pastors. I'll explain that in a second. But there's an argument here, and, and let, let me explain it just for my own fun. There's an argument here that verse 11 is transitioning to another position. Where it says, even so, it's basically the same word in verse 8 as likewise. So they're saying here, there's, there's people that say this, and they've got a good argument. That we're going from elder, pastor, to likewise deacons, to even so, women deacons. Deaconettes, they would say. The word here is woman, or it can be wife. It would be easy if we had a, had a clear 
Understanding with that word, even so their wives. Because there's some versions of of the Bible that would say, even so women must be great. So what is this? Does this open the door to, to women deacons? And there's, and I'll say this, there's a lot of churches, many, 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 many churches will take this passage and they'll say, that means women, that doesn't mean wives. And there's so many churches that have women deacons or deaconettes. So what is this saying here? Should we have women deacons? That's a big question. And, and again, I'm, I'm doing this. I could easily go down through here and not even touch on this. But for me, this is fun. And I need to solidify this in, in my heart because there's people that I know and trust and respect who say this means women deacons. John MacArthur has over 100 women deacons in his church. A guy that I highly trust and highly respect. He would say even so must women be grave. Women deacons. So what do we do with this? I'll say this. There is an argument to be made for women deacons. It's not a good one. There are no arguments to be made for a woman pastor, but there is an argument here for women deacons. And I, I want to I want to show you the solution to this. All three times that the word is used, this this word verse 11, even so must their wives. All three times that word is used in 1 Timothy 3, it's not woman, it's wife. Look at verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Same word, not woman. You'll see in verse 11, again, even so must their wives. Verse 12, let the deacons be husbands of one, not woman, but wives. So I think in the context that we're looking at, that Paul is using the same word. He's not going from, from wife to woman to wife. He's going wife, wife, wife. It's wife repeatedly in this passage. And I also think that verse 12 destroys it. Because you say, verse 12, it goes back to the deacons being husbands of one wife. I want you to see the argument there. If he's going, just just follow with me, if he's going elders verses 1 through 7, and he goes deacons in verse 8, and then women deacons in verse 11, then why does he come right back to deacons in verse 12? So we go elders, deacons, women deacons, deacons again. It flows right on through. And if verse 12 wasn't there, I might say that we could have women deacons. But verse 12 to me says no women deacons. He's talking about the same position all the way through. So I say no. So you say, what is this then? I believe, and there's biblical evidence of this, that when the deacons went out with their fanny packs and the money and they're distributing, they're meeting the needs of women and and widows and and they're bringing in money and handing out money, that oftentimes they'd end up in in the homes of, of widows and women. And they were, you guys know how that works. A, a man shouldn't go into a home of a woman by himself. So I believe biblically and historically that the wives went with them whenever they went. Just to make the widows more comfortable. They, so they helped the deacons. They were involved in the service. They served alongside. They were helping in the homes. So he's saying here, also must your wife be able to do these things. That you're going to have to be with your wife. So he gives the qualifications of the wife. The wife must be qualified too. Because she's going to be serving right alongside you. You can't have a trustworthy man 
And an untrustworthy woman, when they're going to be doing these things together as husband and wife, they both have to be trustworthy and they both have to be qualified. You say, why does it talk about the wives of pastors doing that? Because the, the pastor's wife does not help the pastor lead. The deacon's wife does help the deacon serve, but the pastor's wife does not. My wife is not called to be a pastor. She's not called to, to lead. I see that on signs all the time. Happy pastor appreciation to our pastors, Mr. and Mrs. My wife is not a pastor. She's not called to that. But I believe deacons' wives must be called to serve. So they must be. And it gives basically the same list. Look what it says. Even so must their wives be grave, same word, serious, dignified, respected. I've seen some deacon wives, again, not here, but deacon wives that were not well respected. They must not be a slanderer. You see that? I, I like that word. It, it means diablos. It means devil. So she must not be a she-devil. She must not be the devil in disguise, uh, which means she must not be, be going out talking bad about people. She must be sober, not a drunk. So she's not beside wine. And faithful and trustworthy in all things. So your wife has to go along right with you. This has to be a couple serving together. And then he gets into his home. That's why we spent too much time on that. But it's, it, that interested me. That helped me solidify what we believe here in this church. Now his home. Let the deacons, and I said this, this verse 12 was the, the nail that got it for me. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Why would it give one verse on women deacons and then right back to the, the qualifications of, of a deacon? It doesn't say let the women deacons be the wife of one husband, does it? Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. We said this last week. The deacon must be a one woman man. We said that in, in, even in this church and, and in that time, prostitution was big, adultery was big, fornication was, was huge, it was everywhere. And the pastor must have his eyes on one woman and the deacon must have his eyes on one woman and it must be his wife. He must be the example of purity. Devoted to one woman. Ruling his children and his home well. And again, he rules his home, so he's going to have to lead the church in service. And if a deacon cannot take care of his own home, how in the world do you think he can take care of the church? If he can't handle his own personal finances at home, how can he handle his the finances of the church? So he's going to have to have, as an example, if he's going to lead his own little church in the, in the home, if he can do it there, he can do it here. And we'll close with back at verse 10. I hope I'm not confused, you guys. And let these also first be proved. The word there is tested. You better check them on these things before you put them in the position. They must be assessed. They must be proven. They must be examined. They must come under scrutiny. 
that you actually look at their lives and see if these things are true and if they're there, that you don't just throw anybody in that position, but you better make sure that they are qualified. Again, because a biblically qualified elder is a blessing to the church. And a non-biblically qualified deacon is a curse on the church. So you better make sure that your deacons are in line, your pastor's in line, and as goes those two offices, so goes the church. You guys know that unbiblical elders, pastors, have ruined churches. And unbiblical deacons have ruined churches. If you've got these two offices, and they're doing what they ought to be doing, working hand in hand, encouraging and working and serving and leading, the church is going to go right. So you better prove it. And this word prove is... Continually, ongoing. Not that you checked it ten years ago and they had it. But they better have it today too. Over and over and over. Make sure their life lines up with these qualifications. The church must prove first before they throw anybody into that office. So there's the requirements. Let me close now with the reward in verse 13. And I think we've covered everything We've hit every every word. We'll stop at verse 13 tonight. It says, this is the reward. For they that have used the office of deacon well. It actually says, those who have deaconed well. I like that. Those who have served well. That word well is used, I think, three times in this passage. Verse 4. The pastor's homes must be done well. Uh, Verse 12, the deacon's homes. Here in verse 13, the deacon's work. I looked up that word well. It means who've done it right. It means those who have done it beautifully. Those who have done it honorably. Those who have done it correctly. Those who have done it in a way that can be respected. Those who have done a good job. I know I've went a long way around it. But those who have done the job well. In the way that it should be done. If you've been a deacon who's done the job well, here's what you get. Here's the reward. And there's two things here. Deacons, if you do this job well, here's what you get. I think we got four good, great deacons here. I think we got other men who are potential deacons here. That in the future, 30 years from now, we've got, we've got men who are qualified here, and they need to know this, that if you do the job well, here's what you get. It says you've purchased to yourself, you've obtained, you've achieved, you've acquired a reward. For they have used their office of the deacon well, purchased to themselves first a good degree. Get this. You've purchased to yourself or earned for yourself good standing. Or the, the word actually means you've purchased to yourself a step. You've purchased to yourself a pedestal. Almost like somebody in the Olympics and, and or I've seen the, the kids do their wrestling thing now and, and they have their those steps that they have and you have your, your big winner at the top step and your other winners down and, and you got the ones who didn't do so well but they still got a medal. They're on the floor. If you do a good job in wrestling or in the Olympics, you get the the step, you get the the pedestal, you get to be at the top where everybody looks at you and says, they've done a good job and they get a reward. 
That's what this is. It's a step. It's a pedestal. If you do the job of a deacon well, you'll be put on a pedestal. You'll be put on a step. You'll get good standing before your church and your community. Not that you seek that, because I, I, I don't know a good deacon who wants to be put on a pedestal. But if you do the job well, God will honor it. God exalts the humble. So if you do the job well in a, in a humble way, God will exalt you. God will put you up on a pedestal. God will make it so that the, the people that you serve will look at you and say, they've done a good job. I respect that man. I honor that man. I look up to that man. He's done an outstanding job. That when you see the, the, the deacons in the public, that your church is going to say, that's my deacon. That's the deacon of my church. I love that man. He does a great job at our church. I'm putting him on a, on a pedestal. I'm looking up to him. I'm telling my kids, be like that guy. He serves the church and he does it humbly and he does it rightly and he does it well. Be like that deacon. If you do it well, you'll be on a pedestal. People will look up to you. If you do it bad, people will look down on you. There's so many deacons who have done it bad and given all the other good deacons a bad reputation. You do it well and God will put you on a pedestal. And not only before your church and community, but I think God will honor it. You'll get good standing before God. That God honors service like this. That one day, deacons who do the job well will stand before God and they'll hear, well done, good and faithful deacon. Ain't that what you're after anyway? You do the job well, you'll have good standing with your church and with your community and before God one day. That's a reward in itself. Second, and I'll close, you'll have great boldness. This is not only a good degree or good standing, but great boldness in the faith. That great boldness is great confidence in the faith. That you'll, God will give you assurance. God will give you assurance that you know where you stand with Him. That I'm right with God. That He'll give that to you settled in your heart that you know exactly where you stand with Him. You know what you believe. You know where you serve. You know you love your church. You know you're fulfilling your purpose. You're happy and you're content. And God's given you assurance in what you do in your position in the church. And that makes your service even better. And I think this is a great reward, good standing, and great assurance for a job well done. So to close, very simple, this is what to look for in a deacon. This is what every church needs. This is what every pastor needs. I, I, I think you could pastor a church without deacons, but I don't think you can pastor a church well without good deacons. Every church needs good biblical deacons. Every pastor needs good biblical deacons. That they go hand in hand, working together, pushing the church forward, doing what it's supposed to be doing. 
And I think that our church has four biblical deacons. I think that our church has four of the greatest men that I know. I say it all the time. People will ask me about my church, and I say, we've got, and I, I tell Johnny this all the time, and Johnny tells me this all the time. Johnny could tell you some stories about deacons. And Johnny says, these are the four of the best deacons that he's ever seen. And I tell people in my community, that, who's your deacons? Let me tell you who my deacons are. These guys are phenomenal deacons. And I think they deserve our respect and our appreciation. I think, I know they're not after that, but I think there needs to be a month of the year where we have Deacon Appreciation Month. And these men deserve that. And I'm thankful for that because when my kids grow up and they move on and they go to another church and they get married, I hope they never go to another church. I hope they stay in this church and they have my grandkids in this church and, and we just move right along. Gracie Bell gets married, the guy's at a church somewhere else and she says, I'm not listening to nobody but my dad. And he says, okay, I love you so much. I want to go to church with your dad. And Isaiah gets married and he says, okay, my, my wife's going to have to come to this church and I've got all five of my kids and, and their spouses here and we're in this church. But if something happens and my kids have to go away and they go to another church and they're talking to their friends at their church and they're, they're talking about well, how they grew up, that they won't say, man, let me tell you some bad stories about deacons. Let me tell you the deacons that I grew up with. Man, I've got story after story about some bad deacons. No, my kids have been raised in this church. And when they grow up and they move on, when they tell stories, it'll be good stories. They'll tell stories about deacons who done the job well. My kids will not have any ugly stories about deacons in a church. And for that, I am un you can't even imagine how thankful I am. And my kids aren't going home and saying, oh, deacons. <laughs> but they're going home and they're saying, we got good deacons there, Dad. And they love you and they love us and they love the church and they love Christ. And they're doing the job well. And for that, I appreciate all four of the deacons who are here tonight. I love you. I honor you. I appreciate you. And I know everybody else does too. So thank you for being four biblical deacons, for making my job easier, for making our church better, and for honoring Christ with us in this church. Thank you for being good deacons. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this passage. I think it was clear. I hope it was clear to everybody else. But God, I, I thank you, God, for laying it out for us. And I thank you that even before I knew these things, that you gave us four qualified deacons. I've read the passage but never really studied it. And I was able to look and put our deacons with this passage and I'm thankful for the ones we have. And I pray God that we'd be able to honor them, respect them, look up to them, and that you would encourage them and help them to continue to stand and do the job that you've called them to do. That they'll be the men that you've called them to be. I pray for their wives. Please bless them, God. And I pray that me and the deacons can continue to work hand in hand. And that we can stay on mission for what you've called us to do here. We are blessed here with good preachers, Brandon, Johnny, and with good deacons. 
And we'll look at the rest of it later, God, but if I think if we got this right, these two offices, then we're going in the right direction and we're far ahead of many churches. So thank you for that, God, for putting these things in place. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.